0: Hi, I'm Brent Stafford, and this is Reg Watch by RegulatorWatch.com. It's been an insufferable past few weeks for U.S. consumers of nicotine vaping products, dealing with the CDC's double down on the exaggerated so called teen vaping epidemic, and the shocking revelations that decision making at FDA Center for Tobacco Products is in disarray and influenced by outside forces, and that scientific disagreement within the agency is being suppressed and most distressing, a disastrous result in the U.S. midterm elections, where voters in California passed a statewide ban on flavored nicotine vaping products, destroying access for nearly 40 million residents. Joining us today to discuss these developments and more is Charles Gardner, executive director of INCO, the international network of nicotine consumer organizations. INCO is a nonprofit alliance of 37 volunteer-led member organizations from all over the world. INCO supports the rights of 112 million adult ex-smokers who use safer nicotine to avoid toxic forms of tobacco. INCO believes tobacco harm reduction is a human right and the group is a fantastic source of information for consumers in the fight to save vaping. Charles, thanks for joining us again on RegWatch. It's great to see you again, Brent. I want to start with that extraordinary number, 112 million. Is that mostly vapors and how significant is that number?
1: No, uh, I mean, let's let's put it in the context. There's 1.1 billion smokers on earth. Uh, Another three or 400 million people are using toxic oral smokeless forms of tobacco. So 112 million is the number Uh, of people like me who use uh, safer nicotine alternatives to those toxic forms of tobacco. And it's not just vaping. We always get accused of promoting vaping and blah, blah, blah. But we don't care how smokers quit. So it's about 82 million uh, vaping nicotine worldwide. Uh, I'm in the United States. So only about one out of seven or maybe one out of eight of of those 82 million are in the U.S., and it's another 30 million people who are using uh, other safer nicotine alternatives like Snus or nicotine patches or uh, heated
0: tobacco products. And these are the consumers INCO advocates for. How challenging is that? And are consumers being ignored? I prefer to use the
1: term people who use safer nicotine. So if you, if you kind of categorize us as consumers, it. It resonates in different ways in different countries. And we have to acknowledge that not all of them have quit smoking completely, but it's mostly people who are ex-smokers or who are, let's hope, on the journey to quit. Uh, What's bizarre today is that many people in public health are trying to block the (laughs) try, like think they're an evil plot by Big Tobacco.
0: Let me ask you, Charles, do you think... It's an appropriate word to use um, by calling what public health is doing here is unhinged. Let me be very concrete in answering that question.
1: Yes and no. <laughs> um, what's what's really happening here is a is extremely ironic because you know, Brent that you know, 30 years ago big tobacco stumbled upon. Um, a, a a really effective tactic, right? They they realized that they didn't need to convince the public and policymakers that cigarettes are safe, right. They just needed to convince them experts disagree. What's happening now is the experts truly disagree about how we should deal with tobacco control policies um complicated story but um uh, but there's also a trend uh where people who were on one side of the fence uh, have shifted to the to the fence and the people who were sitting on the fence have shifted more in favor of harm reduction and the public and policy makers and journalists haven't caught up with that yet but but i mean that's the irony is that uh reality is is now recapitulating the lie that big tobacco
0: companies made 30 40 years ago essentially that public health and tobacco control are the ones that are now the merchants of doubt
1: well public health is divided it's not a monolith and so there are people in positions of power and authority and in respected health organizations Uh, who uh, know the right thing and are kind of keeping quiet about it because they could be excommunicated if they said what they know. If you are part of the mainstream tobacco control research community um, and you say something positive about harm reduction in the field of tobacco control today, you will not get invited to the next scientific meeting your next uh, you know draft paper to to the journal may be rejected. Uh, it, it, there really is a kind of a uh, dogmatic approach right now that I mean it looks like uh, church dogma 500 years ago or 400 years ago. but it's but but I think the good news is it's not all unhinged there is a movement among the actual experts who know their stuff in in a direction toward accepting the fact that there are some safer nicotine alternatives that are dramatically lower cancer risk and dramatically lower heart disease risk and dramatically lower lung disease risk and then You know, it's going to take some time for the public and for journalists to catch up with that, which is
0: frustrating because people are dying. So let me ask you, Charles, about the U.S. Centers for Disease Control, because they are a focal point of a lot of disagreement uh, or misinformation, some say, around vaping and especially the teen vaping stats, which just came out last month. What do you think of the CDC and their doubling down on the epidemic narrative?
1: Think about what the CDC and the FDA are telling us now. Oh, 2.5 million teens are uh, vaping nicotine, which is a big pile of teens, right? But think also about how that information is conveyed without context. That's out of 27 million teens, 27 million middle and high school students. So, so 2.5 million is, is 9.4%, but that's current use or it's teen current use. The adult current use is an entirely different and far more sensible definition. So teen current use, 9.4%. Frequent use, 4%. Daily use, 2.6%. Uh, we don't know how many teens smoke in 2022 now because the cdc is literally sitting on the data and hasn't released it so but they think vaping is a higher priority so they released that preliminary data but if we even step back further i, I actually i drafted an article quite recently that looked at t, total teen nicotine use i mean this is literally something that we can all agree on everyone can agree it's a good idea for for us to do stuff to reduce teen nicotine use and alcohol and opioids and cannabis and, you know, all of that. Okay, so I wrote a piece that was based entirely on NIH monitoring the future uh, survey data and the National Youth Tobacco Survey, which only starts in 1999. So, and I went back to the 1970s. There is absolutely no question that total teen nicotine use from cigarettes and e-cigarettes is lower today than at any time in the past 50 years. Mm -hmm. And it was, I mean, that's just like, wow, we're being told there's a whole new generation addicted to nicotine at exactly the point in time when teen nicotine use has reached an all-time low. Well, something is unhinged in, in this case. And what was interesting to me then, unfortunately, is that I sent this to literally every major media out, out um, you know, newsprint outlet that you could think of. I won't name names and it was all rejected. It was re- every single one of them was rejected even though every single number in what I wrote was directly hyperlinked to the CDC or NIH report showing that number is true. People don't want to hear this because we're, we, it's almost like we, you know, moral panics are addictive. They, they're like exciting. Oh my gosh. They're, they're, they're targeting teens. And uh, so, so I, you know, there's like maybe there's dopamine release from embracing
0: crazy moral panics and being unhinged. They know that smoking um, is crashed, you know, to the floor. They've put all of their efforts and you know narrative efforts on nicotine and then you come around and say hey here's the proof that in the last 40 years teen nicotine use is lower now than it's ever been that should just gut the whole argument shouldn't it i
1: believe the evidence and we the evidence is that cigarettes are at least 20 times more harmful than nicotine vapes and um you know even if i'm wrong maybe they're only 10 times more harmful, right? Who cares? As soon as you know that these gizmos are safer, then not promoting them for adult smokers is basically negligent homicide. And uh, a lot of people in public health are like, they know that, but they're really worried about teen use. But the fact is when 28% of U.S. high school students were smoking cigarettes in the mid 1990s nobody gave a damn it it wasn't called an epidemic and and nobody nobody said stuff about nicotine harming their fragile developing brains and it it, it, this is this is where we get to the unhinged part i mean where i would agree that some part of the narrative is utterly utterly unhinged and divorced from the actual evidence about what nicotine is and nicotine does, because teen nicotine use was much, much, much higher just a few decades ago. The claim that nicotine harms developing brains, which the CDC tells the public as as if it's a carved in stone fact, all 15 of our top experts in the field of tobacco control agreed that that claim is what they called speculative. Now, I've been in public health for 30 years, and I can tell you in a peer-reviewed publication, when you say that word in that context, what it really means is bullshit, uh, because there's no human evidence for that. So the fact that, going back to the CDC, that they're telling the public uh, that this is a demonstrable fact when, in fact, the actual evidence is based on rodent studies that show changes, not harms, changes which are comparable to caffeine, uh, changes which are reversible. If you just put an exercise wheel in the cage, so the rat gets you know physical and mental stimulation, it's reversible. It, this is like nicotine harms developing brains is literally a lie. And that's unhinged but it's it's there some point was passed uh in the field of tobacco control where exaggerating harms like slipped into lying uh, and in you know for our for our own good right to reduce smoking initiation by teens which is a good goal uh and to encourage smokers to quit which is a super good goal because It's smokers who actually die, not teens. And so, uh, but really, violating truth-telling, which is a fundamental moral principle in healthcare ethics, in order to achieve a utilitarian goal, it, it, it is is deeply troubling to
0: me so the cdc says in regards to uh the nyts 2022 numbers is that this study shows that our nation's youth continue to be enticed and hooked by an expanding variety of e-cigarette brands delivering flavored nicotine and also in response to the study fda says it's clear that we still have a serious public health problem that threatens the years of progress we've made combating youth tobacco use, and that we cannot and will not let our guard down on this issue. That's fine. They can say those things. I don't want teens to vape
1: either. I don't want them to smoke or vape or or use any illicit products or alcohol. Uh, and like, let me make that clear. But to present that kind of those kind of messages to the public out of context, to not tell the public the fact that teen nicotine vaping has dropped 50% over the past three years is just stunning. If you look at the messaging from 2018, 2019, 2020, they that messaging always talked about the trend over time when teen vaping was going up. Now teen vaping has dropped 50% after 2019 so in just three years it's down by half that's i mean that's a stunning drop in three years and they've so they've stopped talking about the change over time and they just give the absolute numbers they give the absolute numbers for current use which is mostly infrequent experimentation which means not hooked and they do not give the numbers for frequent use which probably means you own a device and buy products and they do not give the direct numbers for daily use, which may mean that you're hooked. So, and those numbers are incredibly low and they've always been low. And so there's like a deliberate effort to make people think that there's a crisis when, so, and let's go back to that epidemic claim. The CDC's own definition of epidemic is a disease that is increasing in a population. Teen vaping is not a disease, it's a behavior, and it just dropped 50%. It's not epidemic. In fact, it's lower today than, as I have said, back in 2015, which was three years before the FDA declared an epidemic, but the FDA refuses to undeclare epidemic. And I sat in on a on a a video call between the CDC and its partners, who are CDC people, but also a lot of anti vaping NGOs funded by Michael Bloomberg. Uh, and those people were reassured by the CDC that they could still say this is an epidemic, even though teen vaping is
0: lower now than it was
1: seven years ago in 2015
0: is bonkers. So Charles, I've got a clip from that uh, Zoom call which happened on the same day that the CDC released the stats and this was a private call. Good to hear that you're on it. Let's take a listen.
1: I just have one more quick question because you have made it really clear that this data as the same with last year's data is not to be perceived as any kind of a trend because the methodology is different and because of the logistical difficulties of um, the pandemic. Um, And so how then do we, I won't say quantify because we can quantify the raise over last year, um, but when these two years are meant to be on their own and then there is a significant rise from this year over last year. How should we be messaging that or thinking about that when we know that it's not, that this, these two data sets are not comparable to what came before? So I think the bottom line here is that there are still too many kids using e-cigarettes. the epidemic is far from over, and our work is far from done. We still have 2.55 million youth uh, who are currently using e-cigarettes, and most of them, 85%, are using flavored products.
0: So the epidemic is far from over, and there's more work to be done. Uh, teens should not be using adult products, they should
1: not be drinking alcohol, which they do more than they vape nicotine, and they should not be smoking cannabis, which they now do more, or or vaping THC, which they do more, I mean, combined. Uh, those are all intoxicating drugs, and they do those things more than they vape nicotine, but somehow our moral panic about nicotine, nicotine use is much, much higher than it is about intoxicating drugs, which in the case of alcohol cause 3,900 deaths every year. Um, so th- th- there is a, I mean, there's a valid concern. We don't want teens to use this stuff. To talk about that uh, in a complete vacuum, like not looking at the fact that there are 12 million adults using these products, these gizmos, And that in the United States, 40% of those adults have quit smoking completely. So that's 4.8 million people. And we know that over time, 30% of uh, people who quit with an e-cigarette later quit vaping. So you have to kind of add at least 30% to that 4.8 million. You get up to, it's well over 6 million in the United States have quit smoking with these things. And if you look at the numbers in the UK, where smokers are a lot less misinformed than American smokers about the relative risks. It's 57% in the UK. uh, 57% of UK adult vapors have quit smoking completely. Like, I think that's a really telling difference because we know that 82% of American smokers think these gizmos are as harmful as smoking. Like, they're, they're, they're that misinformed. Um, but going back to teen use, yeah, we want to be concerned about teen use, but we, we like, seriously, at some point, we want to stop lying to people. And the fact that teen use just dropped 50% is, like, that's kind of a big deal. Uh, the fact that it's lower than it was seven years ago before we declared an epidemic, that's kind of a big deal. The fact that teen nicotine vaping is lower than teen smoking was 10 years ago, come on, and and much lower than teen smoking was 20 years ago. Given the fact that teen smoking has dropped 90% over the past 10 years, if you want to get technical, it was 15.8% 10 years ago and 1.9% now. It's a 90% drop. That's not up for debate. And uh, if we look at uh, 2021 High school smoking, which is the latest, it's the most recent data we have because CDC sits on this data. Um, frequent use, which is a far more relevant number of cigarettes for high school kids in the United States, frequent use means 20 or more days per month. That, that kid is a smoker. That's 0.38% now it's 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 kind of it's a little less than 1 out of 300 right so we should be doing victory laps we should be dancing in the streets this is a uh, you know that's an incredible thing and teen smoking did drop in in the preceding decade so from 2001 to 2011 in the united states teen smoking dropped about 25% but over the what you might call the e-cigarette decade it dropped Ninety percent. Now that's maybe it's a coincidence, but but these products were literally designed to be product substitutes. I don't think it's a coincidence.
0: So Charles, a quick interlude here, breaking into our existing interview. Sure enough, as soon as we got off our uh, off our chat. FDA and CDC came out with new tobacco product use numbers for middle and high school students in the U.S. for 2022, Charles, the CDC is saying that approximately 3.7% of all students and in parentheses representing 1 million persons reported currently smoking any combustible tobacco product. To me, that number seems high. And then is the CDC saying there's 1 million teams that are smoking a combustible tobacco product? Help, help us make sense of this.
2: Yeah, so the key thing here, here is that they never give the denominator. The denominator is 27 million middle and high school students. So they're giving us a, a percentage of that 27 million. 3.7% is, is a pretty tiny number. And what that is, is 2% of them are smoking traditional cigarettes and the rest are you know using cigarillos or cigars or smoke, smoking hookah um all of which in in general usually are they're not smoked the same way that cigarettes are smoked cigarettes can be smoked you know a whole pack a day or two packs a day uh they can be they can be chain smoked um, cigarette uh, cigars and cigarillos and and I mean hookah is something you do once a week with friends at the hookah bar, it's like so. So, the, to the extent that we pay no attention to the um, to the quantity of use, and we just focus on use only, is is kind of bonkers. It, it doesn't makes no sense um, in terms of relative risks. The key thing here is that the new data show that two uh, percent of kids in high school this is high school use are smoking uh traditional tobacco cigarettes the mass-produced death sticks right and that's current use and current use means you've had at least one cigarette in the past 30 days if we uh, go to the 2021 data where there's a bit more granularity we can see that zero point three eight percent of them were smoking cigarettes in twenty twenty one frequently and frequently means twenty or more days per month and if you know, if you smoke a cigarette twenty or more days per month you 're a smoker like let's let 's accept that, but it 's hardly any and
0: i mean this we literally should be dancing in the streets. smoking is dead. Charles, all this discussion around uh, youth vaping epidemic and 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 the hysteria around it—it it has real-world consequences. And if we take a look at what just happened in the U.S. midterms midterm elections in the state of California, that's got to be a perfect example. Here you have the largest state in the union voting to ban flavored uh, nicotine vaping products, which basically. 100% is just going to destroy legal access uh, to the product in that state. What do you think? I think it's a great success for Michael Bloomberg, who spent
1: $35 million to push that narrative, uh, which convinced California voters to do what they did, to impose a prohibition. Um, what uh, part of the narrative that is necessary to you know convince them is to think of nicotine vaping as only something that uh, teens do. And so the vast majority of Americans who are using these products are adults, not teens. And 90% of those adults use what people in public health call flavors, which is, uh, I almost used a bad word there. It's Orwellian because everything's flavored because nicotine has no flavor. So even tobacco flavor is an artificial flavor. So what you what we've just done is cut out the products that ninety percent of adults who uh, are vaping to quit smoking, to stay smoke free, or who are on the journey to quit, what they're using. In my opinion, uh, California just passed a law that was is probably going to kill. Uh, you know, half a million Californians
0: over the next 10, 20, 30 years. California uh, sets the trends uh, across so many different areas of life and across so many different states and around the world. This is a real loss for tobacco harm reduction, is it not? Uh, No. Uh,
1: um, We have to consider all of these uh prohibitions or the imposition of taxes as massive uh clinical trials with no informed consent i mean actually with misinformed consent i mean there's consent because people voted for it my prediction would be a year from now uh, cigarette sales will have strengthened dramatically in california that uh teen nicotine vaping will not have dropped a jot because the illicit market is so huge. And like it, it, the prohibition never works when you're dealing with products that adults want and use. So, most and most users are in this case are adults, not teens. Um, what's most ironic here is that uh, teen vaping in California is actually much lower than the national average So they not only got the 50% drop from 2019 to 2022,
0: but it's much lower there. So Charles, back in July of this year, um, in response to issues around uh, baby food shortage and and some product quality issues, and then of course with the forever uh, up and down of FDA's PMTA process when it comes to e-cigarettes, the commissioner went to a foundation that's uh, tightly connected with FDA. It's called the Reagan-Udall Foundation for the Food and Drug Administration, uh, which is conducting a series of, I guess, reviews of FDA's um, policymaking process. And they had, in October, um, some testimony or comments given by people that work at FDA and that were quite revealing. As a part of the Reagan-Udall Foundation feedback from stakeholders, one commentator said that reviews of pre-market tobacco product applications in the CTP Office of Science lack the autonomy to exercise best scientific practices in their reviews of PMTAs. Another comment, scientific disagreement is frowned upon if not entirely suppressed, and punished through various backhanded methods. And in another comment, in some divisions, leadership pushes a gotta get a mentality onto staff, which is unsupportive of a reviewer's fundamental duty to provide an unbiased review using the best available science. Another commentator claims that arbitrary and politically driven timelines set externally are driving reviews as opposed to allowing for a thorough scientific review. When errors are found, the CTP reviewers are blamed, when in fact the lack of adequate time to complete the reviews are at fault. And one commentator wrote, in cases where reviews are finished and scientific decisions are made, they are also overruled by political agendas and pushed to change decisions. I'm sure you've seen this, Uh, Charles. What do you make of all this?
1: Uh, Well, first, I I worked in the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services for 10 years. And so I I think if you um, hold uh, any branch of the agency, you're going to find a lot of disgruntled employees um, who, you know, think think they know a better way to do things. I think uh, so. It's not surprising to me that a lot of people in the Center for Tobacco Products are not happy. Um, it, it, I think that we should listen carefully and almost read between the lines about what they're telling us in those quotes about how things could be done differently. Because there, I mean, the, things could be could have been done really differently, even under uh, current legislation, which is outdated and which has been passed by members of Congress who are
0: misinformed. Let me ask you: We had Clive Bates on the show just recently. And around these around these these issues, he made the point that this is what you get when you have an authorization regime uh, with regard to the regulation of e-cigarettes. I was found that fascinating, isn't I, that really could be the problem here, um, and it could never work. I'm on the same wavelength. So when you have a case by case, product by product
1: authorization, uh, which is what the FDA chose to do it didn't have to go there. It really could have just set safety standards as the UK does um, and encouraged continuous innovation to improve safety over time. What they end up with is a kind of, they, they can't see the forest for the trees, right? So what they can't see by doing that because they require each individual product to prove that no teen will ever use this And it will help smokers quit. Uh, What that means is they can't see that effectively what they're doing is prohibiting 90% of the products that adult nicotine vapors are already using now today to quit uh, smoking or to reduce using cigarettes.
0: So where do we go from here? uh, Charles, California now has been toasted. FDA is using the wrong approach. CDC is lying about teen use.
1: Oh, no, I mean, Brent, California is great because a year from now, uh, cigarette smoking and cigarette sales are gonna strengthen dramatically there. Oh, their uh, cigarette syntax revenue will increase dramatically. Uh, Teen smoking may increase uh, significantly in California. Um, and And, that's data, because as I said, you know, these are massive uh, clinical trials with no informed consent or with misinformed consent in this case. And so uh, it's great, I mean, more data, We what's, what's really unhinged <laughs> um, is that you know for a fact that 10 or 20 years from now, we'll all be looking back on this time uh, with a a completely different view, because it will have been discovered that nicotine vaping doesn't cause erectile dysfunction and blindness and deafness and your teeth to fall out and male pattern baldness and uh, heart disease and lung disease and skin disease and you know, I mean just, you just go on You're like you can't pick a single organ system that they haven't claimed vaping harms and. You know, eventually, all of that bullshit is going to be dismissed. And then, by the way, and then everybody's just going to forget about that. They're going to forget about the fact that there were hundreds and thousands of people claiming those harms. And uh, also, 10, 20 years from now, you know, all the teens who are vaping now, who should not be vaping, they're going to be in positions of power. They're going to be adults. They're going to be, uh, it's a bit like cannabis. You know, I, I didn't use it much, a little bit when I was in high school, but I knew it was not harmful. And like everybody who used it in their teens, cannabis in their teens, grew up uh, like probably wondering, like, wait, wait a minute, like, why, like alcohol is much more harmful than this. Why why is this illegal and alcohol is not? It, like you eventually we come to our senses, but it really takes a long time for people to get sane.